This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hi, everybody. It's so good to see all of you. It's so good to be here. You guys in other venues, you guys online. Yay! With the presence of the Lord tonight. And our God is a good, good Father. Amen. Well, family, haven't you just been so inspired these last few weeks that we've been speaking about my church? It's been so amazing. I mean, we spoke about made for worship. We spoke about the tree of life. And then we kind of threw a bit of Pentecost in there and how not to lose your hope. And then we spoke about the importance of the word. And Pastor Greg last week spoke to us about, about relationship, authentic, honest relationships. And I am so excited because I get to do the last one tonight. Yes! <laughs> Amen. So my very, very, I'm very grateful to Apostle Thea and Dr. Bear for trusting me behind this microphone. <laughs> and I just want to say, I, family, I don't take this lightly. It's a great honor to be able to pre- present this word to you. Can we just pray? Precious Lord, we just thank you for your presence here tonight, Lord. You are a good, good Father, and we honor you and we love you. And thank you, Lord, that you never change. You are a solid rock, Lord. Thank you, Father, with this world that everything is so uncertain. We know that you are our anchor, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, your word never changes, Lord. And tonight, Father God, we, as we go to your word, Holy Spirit, I know I, I can do nothing without you. And I'm so thankful that as I give myself completely to you, that you speak through me, that you take this word, that, Lord, that you take it to our hearts, that you change our lives, that you ignite our hearts tonight with the fire of God, with the passion of God, with the zeal of God, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, well, I'm excited, family. I know that God never changes. And I want to say this about our church. You know, our church has really been built on a foundation of prayer. Isn't that true? Those of you who've been here for a long time, we know we often speak about our founders, Apostle T and Dr. B. I mean, they pray for us every single day. It doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what's happening. They pray for us. And we have found, I mean, we know about the power of prayer and fasting. They've taught us about that, amen? You know, family, I'm so, so excited about that, that we know that we can trust in that. Because you know, whatever you build it on, you have to maintain it on. And as we pray, what we're doing is we are declaring our dependence on God. And I have had so many people saying to me through this time that they just feel so disconnected or distant maybe from God. And I want to just share this with you in Joel chapter 12 and verse 2. God says this even, I got that wrong, Joel chapter 2 verse 12. God says even now, even now when we feel like we feel, he says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And have a look at this in verse 25. The Lord says, I will give you back what you have lost. And I know for many people, they just feel like they've lost a bunch of stuff. I mean, some people are, they say, you're talking about fasting. I can't even eat. I'm too stressed to eat. And maybe there are people like me, you know, you're just like, you've been binge eating and you think you should be fasting. Well, I heard something the other day that really blessed me. And it was this, that, you know, when you diet, it changes the way you look. But when you fast, it changes the way you see. 
Amen. Isn't that powerful? So we're happy about that. Yes, let's give God some praise. Praise the Lord. But family, you know, let's take our weeping and our mourning and our fasting and all of those things and bring it into the light of God's presence. He wants to help us. He wants to change things. He wants to restore things. That's the God that we serve. Amen. So let me go to our foundation scripture for the series, and we all know it, man, I tell you, we have stood on this scripture for many, many years, relentlessly, the words of Jesus, and he says this, I will build, everybody say this, my church, come on, my church, amen, isn't that amazing, God takes this person, he didn't say, I'm going to build a church, I'm going to build the church, I'm going to build my church, I've got news for you, family, this is the church, it's the Christians that gather together in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And when Jesus says, I will build my, that's what he's talking about. He's going to build us. He carries on and he says, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. That's the God that we serve. Amen. God is good. I tell you, I am forever thankful and overwhelmed by what God has done at Christian Family Church. Let's just give him some praise. Thank you, Father, for our church tonight. Thank you, Father. You know, I'm so excited because, I mean, our church is built on all these amazing distinctives, these areas, these pillars that we have been discussing over the last few weeks. And watch this. This is summarized. I see a church where the people have found relationship instead of religion, where living for God is no longer a duty. It is a delight. Amen. That our people are so excited about being a church family. There's only one thing you don't like about this church. You know what that is? You gotta wait a whole week to come back. Right? That's the only thing. Praise the Lord. The question is this, why is it? I mean, why, why is it that you like to come to church? And we would really love to hear what that is. For me, it's like a breath of fresh air. When I come to church, it's that wonderful fragrance of God's presence that just surrounds us. And I want to take that home. I want to make it part of my time that I'm worshiping God, that I'm reading His Word, that I'm praying. When I come to church, when I'm serving, when I'm giving, I really want that to be a part of everything that I do. Family, not that I do as a duty, but it is my greatest delight. Amen. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Not sad, not mad, family. I was glad, right? We want to have a passion to be in the presence of the Lord. So today's topic, and this may surprise you, it's called be passionate about God. <laughs> Amen, are we passionate for the Lord? Because you know what? Jesus tells us this. Let me just see the scripture. It is found in Matthew chapter 15. He says there are going to be a people that are not passionate. Watch this. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, they're doing the stuff, but they're not enjoying it. Carries on and says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. In other words, they're going through the motions, family. It's like a stale marriage. You've got to get your first love back. You've got to get your passion back. You've got to make that thing work. Amen. And God never intended church to be dull and boring. 
That's the reason He sent us Jesus, to prepare us as His bride, that we would be passionate about being in His presence, not more happy, more passionate about our soccer team. Come on. And I've seen how guys go ballistic when they're watching a game. And we come to church, we're so dignified. Right? Watch this. Romans chapter 12, it says, Never be lacking in zeal. Do you know what that Greek word is for zeal is? It's zealous. You know what it means? It means white, hot, boiling over. Let me see it. Let me see it. Carries on, it says, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Now, you know, I hate to say this, but after 2020, some of us are like a, the gas in our lighters run out. And wouldn't it happen just when there's load shedding and all your candles are just in the right place. And you stand, you're going, it's the only light in the house. And all you're getting is sparks, but nothing's happening. And some of you feeling like it's your coldest, darkest moment, and you're going, nothing's happening. Well, tonight we're going to get that flame going. We're going to stoke that fire. We're going to get our zeal back. We're going to get our passion back because that is what God wants from His family. It's time that we rise up. It's time that we rise up. We are not going to let the season rob us of our passion, rob us of our zeal, rob us of our fire. Let's do this. We're not going to carry this baggage of pain and hurt and all that. We are not going to be entrapped in this prison of coronavirus. We're going to rise above this thing in Jesus' name. Family, we have got a mission in this world. We've got to get our fire burning bright. I tell you something, there's nothing that bugs me more about the way that they portray Jesus in movies and in these artworks. You know, he's so sad and he's so cross and he's so gaunt. Looks like he hasn't eaten for about um, six months. You know what I say? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that the children were all over him. Wherever he went, you read the Gospels. It says, this child, this child, this child. He picked them up, played with him. They loved him. Do you know what kind of person you have to be to be a child magnet? You've got to act like a child. You've got to be passionate. You've got to be fun. You've got to be all those things, right? Everybody loved to be close to Jesus. There was nothing, nothing docile about our Jesus. And I want to show you this. This is awesome. Look at this. It says, In the temple area, I saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. Now, wasn't that just so convenient? You know, this best offering that I put aside for God, I'll just leave it at home and just go buy something at the temple. Really? Look at this. It says, He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Nice little bit of Forex gang on there. Carries on, it says, Jesus, family, I love this. Jesus made a whip. Can you imagine that? He didn't just go and say, listen, would you take this elsewhere, please? He made a whip. Watch this. He made a whip from some ropes. He chased them out of the temple. Look at this. It says he drove the sheep, the cattle. Cattle, he scattered the money changers, coins flying all over the place. The tables, he turned them over. He caused the ruckus in that temple. Why? Because of his passion for the house of God. Look at this. It says then, going over to the people who sold doves, I can imagine they were like, 
Whoa, what now? Look at this, he said, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Sorry, I'm getting too noisy. Watch this now. Then his disciples were like, oh my. Watch what it says. They remember this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. That's in Psalm 69. Family, let our church never lose our passion. I was glad when they said to me, let us go. I was glad, not, "Mm, I wonder if I should go to church today. No, I love serving in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wanna show you David. Listen what he says. He says the one thing, everybody say the one thing. The one thing I ask of the Lord, say this, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Watch this. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. So I'm gonna give you four things tonight that we need to be passionate about. And family, these are four things that we can actually very easily become a little bit lukewarm about. So you know what the Bible says about becoming lukewarm, right? God says He'll vomit us out of His mouth. So I'm gonna show you now four areas that we can be passionate about. And area number one is that passion for prayer. Our prayer needs to be passionate. Now, you know, tradition says, voices down, heads down, kneel down. <laughs> Am I right? I'm not saying you must kneel down, okay? I wanna tell you the story. I mean, years ago when I was a baby Christian, I just got born again, and um, the pastor, it wasn't in this church, the pastor said, I think you should get involved and you can maybe grow, because I knew nothing. So I decided, okay, I joined a Sunday school, and I would teach the two-year-olds, because that way I could learn the Bible too, right? That was all good. But then what they would do, bearing in mind that all the other teachers had been in the church all of their lives, right? And I was a newbie on the block, and we would do the stand in a circle thing, and we'd take turns in praying. I tell you, For a baby Christian who knows nothing, that was terrifying. I'm serious. And then if you were the last person to pray, and everybody had said everything you could even vaguely imagine to say, that's when I learned about Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. You heard our praise. Amen. (laughs) You've all been there. Don't laugh at me. (laughs) But let's look at the book of Acts. Family, it says the place that they were praying, were shaken with their praise. (laughs) Amen, it was loud, it was fervent, it was exciting. I mean, it was deafening. Like when when your team scores that last goal in the last few seconds and turns the whole game around, Pastor Chris. How about that? That's what it sounds like. Right, not this, now I lay me down to sleep. You fall asleep before you finish saying the prayer. Watch this. This was part of this whole altercation in the temple. The Lord Jesus, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And then the Bible describes what kind of prayer that should be. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you've got to ask yourself, if it's not effective, if it's not fervent, is it going to avail much? Just saying. Let me tell you another story. The church I grew up in, that was now another church. And I was convinced that it was only the priests that could actually speak to God because everything was in King James Version. 
or it was out of a prayer book. So when I just got born again, I kind of figured, okay, well, clearly I need to, I need to pray too, <laughs> right? And uh, the first experience, this is family, I promise you, the first experience I actually had of God talking to me. And I started my prayer and I very slowly took every word to turn it into King James, you know. <laughs> and I literally felt the Holy Spirit giggling in my heart. And then he was like, who are you talking to? Family, he's our father. I mean, he wants to share every little detail of our lives. He wants to be a part of who we are. Watch this. If praying is hard for you, make prayer your first response, not your last resort. We don't want to go out there and try all these things and everything fails and, oh, man, maybe I should take it to God. Here's my ready cry. Pray first. When we pray first, God will direct us. He will show us. He will take us to the right thing for our lives every single time. So, number one, a passion for prayer. Number two is a passion for praise and worship. Now, we spoke a little while ago just about praise and worship and, and how important it was that we were made for worship. Family, the Bible has given us 150 chapters in the book of Psalms of demonstrative thanksgiving, praise and worship. Clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There's nothing conservative about that. And sometimes, as I said, we're just far too dignified in church. Jesus says this, let me show you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Let's never get to that place where we sit and say, well, you know what? I don't really like that song. And that person's voice doesn't really do it for me. And this is too loud. And this is too soft. And this is too fast. It's not about us. It's about God. It's what He wants. Come on. It's because He is God and He is worthy of our praise. Now I've checked some of you out. <laughs> like your right foot's got it. You know. Let's move it a little bit more, okay? And how about this? The fish was so big. The fish was so big. The fish was so big. Come on, let it go. We're going to do what the Bible tells us to do. Let me show you what the Bible tells us to do. Psalm 103, one of my favorite, favorite psalms. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes you've got to tell it. What is your soul? My mind, my emotions, my will. Sometimes we've got to come into church and say, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Come on. And it doesn't stop there. And all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Come on, family. That's what God wants us to do. We want to get back to the heart of God. We want to get back to the heart of worship. We want to get back to doing it the way the Bible tells us to do it. Now, I mean, I just love King David because, you know, he's just a wonderful example. He was so passionate about praise and worship. He was so passionate about the things of God. He just loved the Ark of the Covenant. Because why? Because the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. You know what? It's just amazing to me that God gave him an everlasting 
covenant. He called Jerusalem the city of King David. And even, even the, the prophecies about Jesus, it says that he was after the scepter of King David. There's a place in the New Testament that the Bible actually says that, that David was the, the, the father of Jesus. Calls David the father of Jesus. Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? Now we know that when, when David was in Jerusalem, he decided he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, right? Because why? Because he wanted the presence of God in Jerusalem. Now we know what happened. The first time he kind of messed it up, okay? And I mean, <laughs> they decided, right, he'll just give it to Obed-Edom, get Obed-Edom to look after God for a little while. He went back to Jerusalem for three months, and then he realized that he did it all wrong. And family, we can learn from that. You know what? It doesn't matter how good our intentions are. God has got a pattern that he wants things done. And if we want God's results, we need to do it God's way. Now, we may say, listen, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not wild like that. We do it God's way, right? If that's what he wants, that's what he gets. Amen? Anyway, so the second time he did it all right. He got the musos, he got the singers, he got the priests, he got the, the Levites, got the poles, got on their shoulders. They started walking, okay. This is about eight miles out of Jerusalem. They got six steps. Okay, me six steps. And David was, stop, 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 stop. First, we're going to give thanks. First, we're going to sacrifice to God. And I've got news for you. Sacrifice wasn't this. It was killing a bull and putting it on the, on the bride. Six steps, I want you to know, eight miles to Jerusalem, 14,000 steps to Jerusalem, 2,347 sacrifices later. They got to Jerusalem and David was dancing like a mad person. He was so, so excited, family. And he blessed the whole nation. And it tells us here, when he got back, it says when David returned home to bless his household. I mean, Michelle was his wife. She was the daughter of Saul, right? She was not impressed. She was not impressed at all. She says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobed in the sight of slave girls, of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Watch this now. David says to Michelle, it was before the Lord. This was not for you, honey. This was before the Lord, amen, who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. Israel, watch this now. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I've got news for you. After 40 years, family, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. This church will worship God as we, the Bible tells us to do. Amen. That, family, is the kind of church that we are, that we choose to, to be, that we do it God's way. If we're going to be fanatical, let it be about the things of God. Amen. Let me tell you this story. This is such a blessing. In, oh, I better hurry up. 
in America, in North Carolina particularly, there's actually this, um, there's this Air Force base, which is very close to this huge interstate um, highway. And what had happened was is they would take the planes out, right, and they kind of get into the sonic boom, and it would make this massive, massive, almost like an explosion. And it really causes issues on the highway. So they decided that they're going to put a sign up to try and kind of at least warn the people. So they put the sign up, and it says, Pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. I want to put that on our soundboard right there. I want to tell you, family, pardon my noise. But I was on my way to hell. I was filled with sin and God came and He set me free and He healed me and He made me whole and He changed me and He's taking me to heaven. Pardon my noise. You are looking at somebody who has been set free. Amen. Praise God. I think this is a really good scripture, but we'll have to come look at it another time. So <laughs> we're going to give God, we're going to give God what He deserves, not what we feel. Amen, family. The Bible didn't say when we feel like it. It says that we will shout with the voice of triumph, right? It doesn't matter how we feel. Our God is Worthy. So number one, a passion for prayer. Number two, a passion for praise and worship. And number three is a passion for purity. And this is so, so amazing because you know what? In the Bible, there's a consistent pattern of how God honors the zeal and the passion of people who stand for the honor of God, who really hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Family, never has Christian beliefs been so much taunted and mocked as right now, more than ever before. We need to stand up for truth, for what we believe in. Amen? I want to just quickly go through, I was going to show you two, but I'll show you one account in the Bible, really, of where this person um, stood up for God. And I mean, we know the story. I'm going to tell you real quick, okay? It's found in, in Numbers 25, so you can go ahead and read it. But this is speaking about, in fact, the heading is Moab seduces Israel. And there's certain men that really went completely off track. They started having sexual relationships with these Moabite women. And worse than that, they got involved in all of their obscene uh, sacrifices and worship to their gods, the gods of the Moabites, the Baal of Peor, absolutely disgusting stuff. And the Lord actually said to Moses to execute them. I mean, what had happened was is they were having a meeting. The leaders were having a meeting right at the temple about this very thing. And this guy just walks up there with his Moabite lover, and I mean, flaunts her in front of the leaders of, of the church, takes, takes her into the tent, and Phineas, he got so mad, I mean, he took his spear, and he went and he thrust it through the both of them. Have a look at this. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned, this is what God says, has turned my anger away from the Israelites since he was zealous, for my honor among them as I am. I want to just read as well his reward. This is what God says. Therefore tell him, I am making a covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants, family watch this, will have a covenant of lasting priesthood. Watch this. Because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. When we stand up for the honor and the purity of God's word, let me tell you, God loves it. I mean, he made a generational covenant with this man. 
because of that one act that he stood up for the, the honor of his name. Now, I'm not saying that you must go and murder that Christian brother that's in an adulterous affair with a non-believer. But tell him the truth. The only thing that's going to bring him to repentance is the truth, family. Let's stand up for what is right. Let me tell you, sympathy and empathy is not going to save him. Amen? All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit. This is a good story about Ahab, but we're not going to go that right now, okay? And we're not going to go there right now either. But I want to just say this about that. Jehu said, and I'd like you to look at Jehu's life. It says, come and see my zeal for the Lord. I mean, Ahab was, was known to be the vilest of all people, according to the Bible. And Jehu was the one who really got rid of every single descendant of Jezebel and Ahab. And God says, I've seen that. I've seen that. Amen. So we are going to stand against, with passion against the evil of this world. Family, I love what Apostle Theo said a little while ago. He says when he addresses the forces of darkness, he raises his voice when he does that. Amen. And we need to do that sometimes. We need to start getting a little bit excited about what we believe in. Amen. So number one, a passion for prayer. Number one, a passion for, for praise and worship. Number three, did I say that right? A passion for purity. And number four, and actually this is first on God's list, and that is a passion for people. Oh, sorry, I missed that one. There we go. Okay. Family, God loves people. He loves people. And you know, something that we must remember is that God doesn't only love us. In actual fact, John 3.16 says this. It says, for God so loved the world. Not he loved the world. He so loved the world. Aren't you glad when you were in the world that God so loved the world? I tell you, I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Because you know what, family? There's no hope in the world. We are the salt and the light. We are the only hope that the world has got. And if we, if we do not stand up for what we believe in, if we do not allow them and draw people by the passion that we have, family, then who's going to save them? And let me tell you, you know what? Our, our church is wonderful and it's comfortable and it's so convenient for us, but we've got to know this. As long as there's one person out there that is not saved, we've got work to do. We need to stand up and we need to talk and we need to tell people about God. I want to just refresh to you what we are called to do. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. What is that? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. <clears throat> Let me show you this. Remember, a life not lived for others is not a life. Family, it doesn't matter what we are going through. It really doesn't matter. Because the more that we focus our, our attention on others, you know what? As we look to do that, we will find life. That's just the way it is. I'm telling you right now, the more that we look to others and helping others, the more that we will find life. I've got so much I want to share still. But let me just, let me just go to, to this, okay? Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with stuff that we just think, you know what? I'm sure that God doesn't mind if I go to church, if I don't go to church. It's okay if I miss, if I miss, if I miss. 
You know what? I want you to know that God says He holds it against us. Have a look at this. Yet I hold this against you. That's what God tells us. He says, why? You have forsaken the love that you have at first. He doesn't say He's done with us. Thank God for that. He always gives us a chance to return. But He says this. He says, consider how far have you fallen. Think about it. Think about how you used to pray, how you used to praise and worship, how you used to stand for purity, how you used to love people. Consider it and think about it, he says. Remember and think about how far you have fallen. Can we just think about it right now? And here's the amazing thing, because he says repent. We can turn it around. It's the most positive word in the Bible that he always gives us another chance. He always gives us a chance to to come back, no matter how dead we may feel inside, no matter how much we must feel that, you know, my zeal is gone, my passion is gone, my fire is out. I just don't feel like I've got any oil left in my lamp. God says, repent and do the things that you did at first. He promises that, but then he doesn't stop there. Watch this, family. This is important. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. When we do whatever we do, we have to do it God's way. He is a loving, forgiving, wonderful Father. But He says, you've got to do it my way. Amen. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed at this time? If you feel tonight that, you know what, I feel like my passion is not where it should be. I feel like my fire needs to be ignited again. I need to know that God still loves me. I feel like one of those five virgins that just didn't have enough oil when I got there. If that's you tonight and you feel like it, I'm gonna ask you to be bold and let's rather just make sure that we're right with God. And maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're out there in your home still, you guys in the other, in the other venues. Maybe you, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never really said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. And maybe just, just maybe you, you, you've maybe been involved with people that have been really ill and and you've maybe been thinking, you know what, if I die, I I don't even know if I'm going to go to heaven. Well, tonight, I want you to know that you can know, you can have that assurance in your heart that you are going to heaven. Any one of those three, I'm going to pray with you. I'd love just to to lead you in a prayer tonight. So I'm going to count to three. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to be sure that you're going to heaven, or if you want to rededicate your life and you'll say, Lord, I need you to light my fire again. I'm going to count to three right now and ask you if you would just be so kind as raise your hand right there where you are. If you're at home right now, just raise your hand because God can see you. One, two, three. Just raise up your hand right there where you are. See that hand. Thank you so, so much. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, family. Right now, you've got to know that that devil is doing everything in his power to stop you from getting your hand up. Don't give in to him. Raise your hand to the Lord. All we're going to do is we're going to pray right now. I'm going to ask everybody if they would just pray together at this time. Can we just say this? Say this, Jesus, tonight I open my heart to you. I ask you to light my fire again, to bring back my passion for you, Lord. I give my life completely to you. Thank you, Lord, that you took all my sin, 
that you set me free. I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. And I am now saved. I am born again. And I wanna live for you only. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.